Hello, my name is Haley Dahl, and welcome to another episode of the Green Exploration Rockford podcast. And today I will be meeting with Barb Shidley, the neighborhood specialist for the city of Rockford. We will continue discussing sustainability and environmental justice in Rockford through the context of neighborhood development and overall well-being during part two of this episode. being a teacher and so being yeah. able to help somebody and and, ta- and listen to you talk about your passions and and what you want to achieve through your education and your career and everything else I'm like that's that's a gift to me so uh, I really I really appreciate that because you know I could say the same about all the information and knowledge that you're sharing with me so I really really appreciate that thanks since you have such a dynamic influence and role in the Rockford community. It's just really assuring to hear how you think about things and how you really consider those relationships. And, you know, I was, I've been asking this question in my head throughout this whole conversation, but how do you feel like we can start building that trust? Especially with BIPOC communities, communities that aren't communities where all of the infrastructure gets put and the money gets sent. How do we, how do we curb that? How do we build that trust? How do we reach out to these communities and really have them feel heard? So I did some stuff in the classroom that was very similar to what one of our former aldermen always did. He's now the Winnebago County Board Chairman, so I'm going to call him out. Joe Shirelli is one of those incredible people who models exactly what we need to do. Um, And it's, we have to get past this idea that we don't have the time or the money. We have to find that resource. We have to make that time. We have to meet people where they are. have gone door to door with different information and people will say thank you so much for being out here in the neighborhood it shows you care right you came to me you're on my front doorstep that shows you care enough to be here to reach out to me we have to understand how valuable that is Mm -hmm. we also have to listen without an agenda like right um other than I need to hear your perspective. That's my agenda. I want to get to know you. I want to hear from you. We can't have that agenda of, oh, it's going to lead to something because, because we know this, right? We all have these goals that we have to achieve. So if we have any kind of checkbox out there at all, that somebody is saying you need to show results, then that agenda always ends up coming through and people see through right through it. Yeah. And that betrays trust. We have to commit, we have to internalize this belief that 
building that relationship and building that trust is an end in itself, which is easy for me because I have a project called Connect Rockford, where really all we're trying to do is get people connected, you know, build social capital and then make sure people are connected to the resources that they need. Because we know that just helping people get connected in the neighborhoods, that's going to make a difference in their neighborhood. I don't have to tell them how to go about their business. I just want to help support them getting connected. That's my that's my agenda. And that's such a, an innocent, you know, there, there's no threat mm-hmm. to, because I recognize that, you know, I have a program for to, how to train black captains, but if a neighborhood already has some connection, I'm not going to come in there and say, no, you need to do it my way. Yeah. I'm in there and say, Hey, can we at least communicate? Because I just want to make sure if there's something you need, I can help you get you connected to mm-hmm. it. I'd like to hear your feedback so that we here at the city know how to handle things. Right. So we have to, we have to let go of those other agendas. We have to, we have to really get out there and listen and, um, and then incorporate that feedback. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and we have to, we have to then, when we incorporate the feedback, still take things back to people and say, okay, this is what we heard. This is what we're doing as a result of what we heard. What do you think about this? And get Mm -hmm. feedback again. And so it has to be that, that whole iterative process, you know, repetitive touches in terms of that relationship building. We have to make sure that people are involved in the process um, in a, in a really meaningful way that drives what we're doing. Because if we say, you know what, we as, we are the experts on our end. We know that a couple of these things work. We're going to give a couple of options to people and just say, Hey, what do you think about this? And then say later, well, we went out and we got, we got input from people. That's not, that's not sincere. That's not authentic. Um, we have to let go of our own egos as being the yeah. experts in our, in our subject areas and recognize the expertise of the people with the lived experience. It's like, essentially, we don't want it going in one way and out the other, because that's, again, just going to destroy that trust. If, if we want people to feel heard, they need to see their voice coming to fruition. That clearly doesn't doesn't happen enough. So we were talking about building trust and getting that connection, which, yeah. okay, I really liked how you were talking about how, you know, you didn't want to go in there and be like, you have to do things my way. Like you wanted to go in there, see what the community had to offer and work with enhancing that instead of taking it over essentially. I wanted to talk about the Brownfield redevelopment in uh-huh. Rockford because I talked to the Brownfield specialist, Robert. He was talking about the Brownfield projects that they had going on and are a majority of the Brownfields on the west side of Rockford? Not necessarily. One of the one of the things that I didn't even realize, because like I said, I came to Rockford to teach at Auburn you know, which is mm-hmm. West side. Um, I didn't realize how much poverty there is existing on the Southeast side as well. Mm-hmm. And I don't think other people do either. As a matter of fact, are you familiar at all with the Ready to Learn project? So there's, there's an initiative in Rockford um, addressing the concept that, you know, when kids we've got so many kids that don't come to kindergarten ready to learn. And we know that those gaps just widen as they go Mm -hmm. from school. And so they did, they worked with the Erickson Institute out of, they're in the Chicago area to do this um, data collection. 
And we discovered that based on five different developmental domains, that the census tract in Rockford that has the highest percentage of students that are vulnerable in at least one of those developmental domains um, based on was one set of kindergartners, the one year, every single kindergarten teacher in RPS 205 and then some of the private schools filled out this like 110 question questionnaire regarding their, their students. The highest percentage of students that are vulnerable in at least one of those domains is in Southeast Rockford. And I think a great number of people would think that it would have been one of our West side census tracts. Mm -hmm. Now there are some census tracts over there that you know are, are close to that same percentage. And when you boil down the numbers, you might realize that there are, you know, students are vulnerable in more than one domain, you know, whereas it might just be one, but, but really we have, we have a lot of vulnerability throughout the community because we, we stereotype because yeah. people of color are concentrated on the West side. How about on the Southeast side? Well, you know, we've got industrial, we still have in functioning industrial areas further east. Mm -hmm. I mean, right here from, from City Hall, even just a little bit east and then south of us, we've got factories and abandoned areas mm -hmm. and such quite a bit, right? Because there was a lot of concentrated industrial on this side as well. Um, probably more on the west side, but probably not as disproportionate as, as you might think when you're talking. Yeah. Both sides of the river, obviously, have had a lot of industrial. Um, mm -hmm like the watch factory is just south of us we've got um anything anything that was industrial at all ends up being you know a brownfields needing yeah say south maine there's such a heavy concentration over there and i know that well, the embassy suites that new embassy suite yeah. well right and then and once you get south of there and the um barbara coleman facility if you yeah. follow any of that um so there are a couple of other uh abandoned industrial properties over there as well. Yeah. But I do think it's less than, than one would think because we do tend to think East versus West, yeah. but we have a lot of struggles, especially directly South of city hall mm -hmm. here. Um, there, there's still a whole lot of, of stuff going on further South and some struggling neighborhoods. And so with this Brownfield redevelopment, is this something that is done with the interest of enhancing the community as it is now, as in like uplifting current residents, or is the brownfield redevelopment done more in a gentrification type manner in the sense where they're like, we're trying to attract new, whiter, more affluent residents? I think too often we don't give sufficient consideration to how um, how we can impact the current residents. Yeah. And I think too often we have negative, a negative attitude toward low income housing. Yeah. And because we don't have the kind of wraparound services that are necessary, too often when we do provide, you know, housing, we haven't supported people. In, in being uplifted enough to overcome some of the other challenges. So we still have this negative perception of people in poverty. Mm -hmm. So um, 
yeah, I think, I think oftentimes we end up with, with a focus on things that is more about, hey, how cool would this be to have this fancy restaurant? And we're not thinking in terms of the, the surrounding residents aren't going to be yeah. using it. Let's pause for a second, though. Raising property right. value, that's good in theory. Are you displacing residents in the process? Right, right. I think that I think we have a lot of things that need to be addressed. Yeah. So when we worked with the US EPA and focused on a couple of the census tracts in the South Main area, Rob and I both agreed that there were a lot of things that we needed to focus on that would be serving the current community. And mm-hmm. I do think that we have a long way to go to help people recognize how providing for for the the existing neighborhood can have such a significant impact on the rest of the community. I think it's it's easy to think in terms of economic development means that we need to bring in a lot of dollars. So yeah. along the riverfront there, Rob and I were talking about, you know, what kinds of, of um, places for people can we create that will really engage the neighborhood in some uplifting ways, whether it be performance space, you know, music, other, um, street vendors that are local, local types of street vendors. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's easy to think in terms of, oh, but wouldn't that be a a cool space for a neat, you know, Riverside restaurant or something that would end up being a little pricey for people who, you know, can't afford it over in the area, but then it would bring dollars to the area and bring into the area. I mean, I understand that thinking, but I think we need to- But it neglects the individual- Right, right. Um, and, and we're, again, I, th- I think we, w- we need immediate results, right? We need immediate mm-hmm. new generation. We need those tax dollars. We need, we need the, the revenue dollars. If I understand, I understand. But if we really want long-term sustainable change, we have to understand the significant impact overall of uplifting the whole community. And so instead of just displacing poverty, you got to tackle correct. the problem at the root. Correct. Correct. Yeah. That's and that's harder um, when we have limited resources. And you know, Rockford has extremely limited resources, not just financially, but we don't even have the staff that a city yeah. our size have so it's it it does make it incredibly challenging um i i'm really grateful for my position not just you know for myself but for rockford in general the fact is you know i think we really do recognize the need for someone to advocate on behalf of residents um i i push consistently here at city hall that we need to be doing that kind of meaningful outreach that we need to revamp our methods, that we need to be focusing on what's going to build relationship. And, and I'm being heard. I, I, mm-hmm. and I, I feel like my position is incredibly well-respected in terms of you know, having that influence. It's not a quick overnight thing because we still face the kinds of um, limitations that, that have an impact for sure. But, but, but slowly but surely I am seeing you know, some change in terms of our, our, our outreach, our relationship building, you know, valuing resident input. Um, and so I'm hoping that in terms of brownfield redevelopment, we start recognizing that's an economic development thing ultimately as well, yeah. right? It's, and and it's it economic, is, environmental, and social. It hits it all. Correct. Right. And it's, and, and it's hard um, because even here, we hire somebody who is in the economic development division. I, I'm in the neighborhood division, but 
everybody else in my division is working on our CDBG funds for that we use for you know housing rehab and that kind of thing. I'm the sole person that is here to serve directly to the residents and amplify their voices and, and make those connections and bridges between residents back to back to the city. And there are 150,000 residents in Rockford. So obviously yeah. I can't hear all of them. So, but, but it is something, right? I mean, we're, we're moving forward. Um, I panicked during the pandemic. Like, is my, is my job going to be one of those that they consider to be superfluous? But um, I think if I had quit, they might not have immediately rehired somebody, <laughs> but yeah. they didn't, they didn't, they didn't eliminate positions. I'm grateful. I'm grateful that, that this still exists. So I know that we believe in it. Um, we have a long way to go. I do know that I, I'm grateful for the people that I work with here in the city. I truly believe that we want to do the right thing for people in the right way. Um, we really do care about residents. We really do care about doing right by them, listening, you know, empowering them, um, we have a long way to go to make sure that that's really truly happening. But I do think that in terms of brownfields, that, that we are having a lot of those conversations regarding the impact on residents. And nobody's chastised me yet for speaking up or speaking too loudly about these yeah. things. So, so you um, feel like Rockford's intentions are in the right place? I do. I really, I really do. I do. Everyone I've spoke to feels that way. Gives me hope. I feel like this community has the potential to really turn itself around, especially if they really buy into that whole sustainable development idea, but keeping that in a holistic lens where they're not neglecting any of the pillars. Right. You know, I was part of the Greentown Advisory Board meeting, actually. Were you? Yeah. And people were talking about things from not just environmental perspective, but economic and social. And I was like, you know what? If this can actually get something on the ground, a sustainability plan in place, like we're on the right track. <laughs> right. I mean, something is better than nothing for sure. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm sure you also heard the things that make me go, yeah, we're kind of glossing over this. We need to dig. Yeah, no, for sure. Deeper. For sure. Even throughout my interviews, there are certain times where I was like, hmm, I feel like this is kind of diverted. That <laughs> But I will say this has been one of my more in-depth interviews. So I really appreciate your honesty and willingness to really look at how things are, not how things should be or how they should be presented, but more so just truth, truth of the matter. And for example, we can't, we can't move forward if we don't know where we are, right? We don't even know where we are to begin with. Exactly. I got to find my starting point on the map. Yeah. Yeah, no, 100%. Instead of just these band-aid solutions beating around the bush, it's time to really hit these roots. As painful as it can be, that's the best way to facilitate. You mentioned the band-aid. So for like with with the, the medical analogy, I think it's like house where it was so difficult to make a diagnosis on anything because there are so many other things that are complicating it. And so we have to get past all of these different symptoms and identify where each of these symptoms is coming from because they aren't necessarily all from the same, you know, the same disease or something. And that's what makes it so complex. So if we're not really trying to diagnose all these issues and, and recognize this is where we are, we're not going to get there. Our society is definitely diseased in 
many different ways. And it's just, it's time to start finding the cure. And it, I really am on your side. I feel like it comes down to connection and just listening to what people really need and not dehumanizing people, recognizing that everyone, regardless of income, regardless of color of skin, regardless of gender, any of that, everyone deserves a quality life. Everyone deserves to be heard. Everyone has everyone value. To be respected. Yes, and value. Everyone has expertise. Yep. Mm-hmm. I remember when I was asking Rob and I was like, so how do you help residents as property values increase? How do you help the residents who can't keep up? And he told me that there were social programs for that. And I asked him what were the programs and he actually referred me to you because he said you were the neighborhood specialist. So I guess like, is there social programs to aid with that like adjustment process or? Which process specifically? Like once they revitalize the brownfield sites and then the property values get raised, what happens to the residents who can't keep up with that? Okay, so if we talk homeowners, increased property values is going to mean increased taxes. Mm -hmm. I don't have any idea what kind of program might be out there that's going to help people pay higher taxes. And then like rent if rent is raised, their rent is raised. We have rental assistance programs. We have a long way to go on this because the yeah, truth is okay. we have so many lim- we have so many limitations. Here's an example. Mm-hmm. Um, right here in our human services department with the city, we have a um, an eviction assistance program, right? So if somebody is going to be evicted because they haven't paid their rent, they can get assistance for paying back rent. But you have to have not paid your rent due to a crisis outside your control. Mm -hmm. And we don't include um, certain mental health crises as a crisis outside your control, right? So if somebody lost a job and became deeply depressed and started abusing substances, we consider that to be their fault mm. and they don't qualify. Which so <laughs> that's where that, right. We, we have social programs. Um, the one really positive thing that has occurred is, you know, we have the family peace center up and, and running. And so the concept there is definitely total wraparound services. Um, but that's only for, for victims of domestic violence. And, and I think there are an awful lot of people out here who are victims of domestic violence in some way, but that doesn't mm-hmm. mean they've been, um, that doesn't mean that, that they're seeking services specifically for that. Yeah. So the way a lot of our other social services run is, you know, it's very focused on here's one aspect. And so if we're not mm-hmm. wraparound services, I I don't know what kind of services there would be to help people who are priced out of where they're living. You know, if a landlord doubles your rent because now all of a sudden the housing value is up. (laughs) And I don't understand, uh, you know, everything that home rule could help us do or whatever, but I know that there are things that have to do with housing very specifically because there were things that we could do with home in terms of putting, you know, certain things in place that could could help, you know, cap rents or, or those kinds of things, but we mm-hmm. don't have control. Um, so I think that 
you know, on a political level, on a legislative level, you know, on a policy level, there are an awful lot of shifts that would need to be made to be able to put in place those protections, those protections, correct. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's probably not on the forefront of thought because it doesn't predominantly affect white people. Right, right. I think, I think we need to identify it. I mean, I think, I, I think we need to state this, that we don't yeah. currently have protections in place that would prevent things like landlords raising rent and such. The last thing I wanted to touch on before, you know, we concluded this conversation is, have you seen any type of sustainable neighborhood development happening in Rockford or any type of implementation of green infrastructure. I know the R1 Planning Council, you know, they have that Greenway project that's trying to go down on the Keith Creek and their EV charging stations, but I guess more so in development aspect, has there been any type of sustainability implemented in that respect? So we're talking infrastructure, um, if you want to talk to a couple more city people. So Kyle Saunders, who is our director. I actually talked to him with Rob. Kyle, he has our total overview in terms of like things we've done with our water pumping stations and and, and others. It's not necessarily neighborhoods. It's not necessarily neighborhoods. We had an intern in 2019 who Mm -hmm. got us to the smart designation for us. A lot of that, a lot of the stuff that he was working on, we didn't necessarily pick up and run with, Mm -hmm. you know. We didn't have a person to handle it. But so Kyle is the one who has the overview of everything. I will say also that Karen Hoffman, who's the eighth ward alderman, she and Mark Bonney, who's the new alderman for the 14th ward, both mm-hmm. are involved in a, it's a stormwater project down off Newburgh and are trying to get feedback from residents or, you know, put some stuff out there to get feedback from residents as to whether they would want, you know, grass in this area that would then end up having to be mowed or if we could do like natural plantings um, and native native plantings and people were saying, do the native plant stuff. And so there's definitely some, some intentionality there. Um, so I do, so I think that, you know, that might be one of the areas in which we're becoming a little bit more cognizant in some areas mm-hmm. because I think that that that's kind of, People are, are, are getting more into the concept of native plantings and pollinator gardens yeah. and those kinds of things as well. So that Just is getting more in touch with that natural uh, environment, which I right, talked right. extensively about with Dan Kane from the Boone County Conservation District and how they've been trying to, you know, implement conservation with neighborhood developments. So I wouldn't say that I've seen a whole lot, but those are some of the conversations and and some of the little, the smaller things that are taking Mm -hmm. place. That's really the only thing I've heard down there in terms of sustainability. Mm -hmm. The sustainable infrastructure aspect, specifically green infrastructure is pretty niche and tried to like touch on it with everyone that I've spoke to, but I also completely recognize that that's not everyone's place of expertise. Right. But like I've also been really enjoying with this podcast is the whole broad array of insight that I've been able to compile in respect to sustainability. You know, I've spoken to people like you more so involved in neighborhoods. I've spoke 
to my old biology teacher. So, you know, he, I mean, you come from an education background as well. I've spoke with someone with business backgrounds, public health, um, conservation, engineering. It's been really fascinating. So I really appreciate all the different types of insight. I mean, oftentimes there are little things being done that we're not even thinking about. I mean, people love the trees and rocks because they look pretty, but they're not thinking in terms of how intentional, you know, tree canopy can be in terms of environmental sustainability and stuff. And so um, we, we recently did a tree giveaway. I mean, we have a program where if you've got Parkway, you know, that right of way area that doesn't Mm -hmm. have tree and it's wide enough, city will come plant a tree. Um, Mm. But we don't have people taking taking advantage of it enough. And so a few weeks ago, there was a huge tree giveaway where it was, you can plant it anywhere. City's giving you trees to be planted, right? So this intentional greening of, of the community. Um, I still think we need to be more intentional about getting out there and identifying areas you know, certain in certain neighborhoods where we need to be the ones to get out there and say, we are going to put trees here. We're mm-hmm. going to do this of something but um but it's definitely something and it and and I think we're always looking toward how can we improve how can we grow it's definitely the response that I get from from my colleagues here at the city so and you know that's that's the important part the willingness to grow to change to evolve that's that's where we're really gonna see our city thrive so yeah I appreciate the forward thinkers that are trying to push Rockford along a bright future, a good path. Thank you, Barb. Absolutely. And thank you for all you're doing, Haley. You give me hope. Oh, that that means a lot. Young people like yourself. I mean, that's just like, you're, you're the hope for our future. So thank you. Well, you know what? I can't do it without guidance so thank you so much well none of us can do it on our own right we we need to to surround ourselves with the other experts and the other passionate people and the other the other people who want to walk their talk and and really get out there and do so um yeah i i we're amplifying it when we say it takes a village i mean it takes a it takes a committed team so yeah um, yeah Every team that has you on it is lucky to have you there. Oh, thank you, Barb. You too. You too, for real. You have amazing perspective. So thank you. Thanks. And uh, you seem very altruistic, like truly, like, is that the word I'm looking for? Like yeah. truly there to help others, which I can, yeah. I can relate to. And I really appreciate that. So. I think that that comes from teaching, right? I mean, it, you yeah. can't classroom worrying about how you look as a teacher it's all about the students and and needing them to succeed and so that's yeah that's where I'm at it's it's not about me it's it's about supporting others and and hoping that you know we can improve quality of life for others and yeah well thank you so much for your time and dedication thank you thank you I think now would be a good time to wrap up part two of this episode As always, I would love to thank Barb Shidley 
for sharing her valuable insight during part two of this discussion. I would also like to thank anyone listening in on this podcast, as I always appreciate your support of Green Exploration Rockford. As I do at the end of each episode, I would just like to remind you to take whatever you learn from this series and consider how you, as an individual, can be a contributor to a sustainable future in your day-to-day life. And don't forget to not only show Mother Earth some love, but your fellow humans as well, each and every one of them, because all humans deserve to live in a quality environment. My name is Haley Dahl, and I am signing off. Stay green and stay exploring, Rockford.